Now, to quickly summarize where we were in the last uh, segment, let's go back to where we were talking again. First um, John chapter 2, verse 15, I just want to read the verses back into the record. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now that's the word cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, excuse me, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. These are all the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world. All of the systems of the world are based in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. None of this is from the Father, but is from the world. That's why he's saying to them, do not love the world, because if you do, the love of the Father is not in you. And he's defining the cosmos very differently from the the particular usage of the word world that references the love of God that he had written about in the Gospel of John chapter 3 verse 16. Going on, and the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who abides he who does the will of God abides forever. While we are on the subject, let me just read down a couple more verses because I want to bring up something later on. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, but no, we have but by which we know it is the last hour. They went out from among us, they were not of us. So this speaks of many antichrists having already preceded that which he defines as the antichrist. Now some use this to say um, that because there have been many antichrists, there will not be an antichrist. That doesn't seem to be what the passage is saying. Uh, He's saying the many leading to the one, but let me caution you here, because the traditional view we've had of a man coming as the antichrist may not be accurate. I see this as speaking more to that which results after it has been introduced. So I see this as the same progression uh, that I've been speaking about in relationship to the kingdoms. But I'll have a special program, uh, maybe one or two, dedicated directly to a discussion of the Antichrist. Just like you'll have at least one uh, recording dedicated to the rapture. But there's a time to review all these things. Since we were in 1 John, I just wanted to mention to you and point you to the existence of that scripture, but to caution against 
the way we have heard this unpacked, because much of it, you see, has been unpacked in a linear way uh, by men and women, theologians, who do not understand nor give credence to the allegorical, the fact that whenever we are speaking to matters of the spirit, matters of the flesh become only allegorical. They are uh, figures of speech. They point to a reality that is greater than the domestic way we might interpret these things. For example, the Lamb of God is not actually a lamb. The Lamb of God is a man, but He isn't just a man. He is a man who was, he was, He is the incarnation of the Spirit of Christ who came as a propitiation by which we are included in this Spirit man known as Christ. So it's not even that the Lamb of God is a reference to only the purchase of salvation, it goes well beyond that to speak of a state of being into which we are received, by which we may be called the sons of God. So it's much, much more. It's I am convinced that part of the reasons that part of one of the reasons that we're going through these times is to require us to look deeper than how we have looked. The commentaries are filled with speculations and clearly turning away, many of them turn away from the more profound understanding of a holy people configured as a holy nation arising on the earth in the end of the age in favor of being rescued out of, like uh, in the battle at Dunkirk, uh, the, the British troops being rescued off the beaches of Dunkirk in a rout. No such thing is about to happen to the kingdom of God and to the people of God. We will emerge from this having overcome the devil, but it, the goal of this, the goal of this end of the age is not just to overcome the devil. Let's understand that. The goal of the end of the age is not just to overcome the devil, we will overcome the devil. The goal at the end of the age is that we be revealed in the earth in the exact image and likeness of, of, the, of the invisible God. That's the goal, that's God's goal. That's what will happen. Everything works to help that in one way or another, whether by opposing it and causing the pushback to define us more in a more pristine fashion as the image and likeness of God, or uh, to separate those who do not belong to the kingdom of God uh, from the kingdom of God, like a shepherd divides sheep from goats, or like light 
distinguishes between what is of the light and what is of the darkness. But back to the cosmos and its systems. For our purposes, one of the most important things to grasp is that this kingdom is systemic, but it's not thrown together accidentally. From the beginning, it came to exploit, to probe human beings to try to exploit where they might be vulnerable. This kingdom was crafted with the human being in mind. Nothing about this kingdom was designed for angels, even fallen ones. Their deception and falling had already taken place. Now, their nature is to resist God, but the point of this kingdom, this cosmos, is to foster, to maintain, to perpetuate, and to expand separation from God, and to do that by deception. The deception works within the context of the weaknesses of human beings, the lust of the flesh, which is the desire above all to survive, the very thing that Adam put on display the moment he was separated from God, he hid. And all that goes with survival, he clothed himself. And to to derive relevance, who are you? Because when when a man is separated from his father, he he loses his identity, which is why in the natural, the end of the age will be the return of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers, the sequence of which is maintained throughout the scriptures. When it was time for Jesus to come into the earth, God had the Romans issue a decree that everybody needed to go back and enroll in the the genealogical records of their fathers. That's what Mary was doing in, in Bethlehem, because she was a descendant, and so was Joseph. They were descendants of David, and David's records were kept in Bethlehem. That's why they journeyed to Bethlehem. They were required to enroll in the family history. Every time that the purposes of God are brought forth, any time they were interrupted and were resumed, whether it's Babylonian captivity, before that Egyptian captivity, subsequent to that uh, Roman authority, you're required to reconnect to your father. The end of the age, it's about spiritual fathers and spiritual sons to bring forth the picture of God who is Father. The alternative, the alternative is one of the pillars of the kingdom of darkness, which is the lust of the eye, your vision of yourself. <clears throat> 
your vision of yourself. Consider the way that the eye has played a role throughout the history of mankind in the dealings with the devil. Man saw that the fruit of the tree was pleasing to the eye. It was about an identity that gave you relevance because when man is separated from his father, one of his most pressing imperatives is to define himself. When you can't find your father, you can't find who you are. And this kingdom was established to give you a false identity. And the pride of life is how you support that false identity. It's how you think of your life and whether or not that life can be supported by your economy. People will do whatever it takes to fulfill the expectations that they have of themselves. However they see themselves is how they will position themselves economically in the earth. It's what drives people. It's what drives people. We could go into much more of that, but the principle is the same. It's undeniable, it's irrefutable. So this kingdom, the cosmos, is systemic. So what, what do you mean? We see human life and these imperatives that humans have, have always been subject to and to be maintained by certain systems because they represent our economy. Systems represent our economy how we are sustained. Let me give you an example. People in any kingdom will experience conflicts, citizens of any kingdom experience conflicts between them, between themselves. Now, the kingdom of heaven has a system for the adjudication of disputes and so does the cosmos. The system for the adjudication of disputes in the cosmos is called a legal system. Now these systems reflect the value of the kingdom that they serve. So when you enter these systems, the goal to be gained by participation in this system is what is valuable with reference to that kingdom. These systems serve kingdoms. All kingdoms in a sense have to have various ways of resolving or advocating or presenting certain things. You you aren't just in a kingdom um, and you're dropped into a kingdom and you walk around as a free agent. America as a kingdom has systems that regulate the interactions between humans. So in that sense every kingdom uh, has systems, but the kingdom of darkness depends upon systems 
Whereas the kingdom of God has systems that grow out of the nature of God. The way God is expressed can be tangibly experienced in certain particular ways. So we're talking about a common system to both kingdoms, the adjudication of disputes between people. That's central to the holding together of a kingdom because lawlessness is the absence of righteous adjudication and the absence indeed of systems for the adjudications of things. So in the system of the cosmos for the resolving of disputes, the value of the, of the cosmos is on display in the system itself. What do I mean? If you're having a dispute with somebody in the world, the point of the resolving of the dispute is to decide the ownership of the thing. So if you're having a dispute over an object or some land or whatever the dispute is about, in a civil uh, dispute, the point is to decide who gets the thing, who has the best bundle of rights, the most complete claim to the thing. Now, what if the dispute is between friends? What if the dispute is between brothers? What if the dispute is between husband and wife? No matter, the point of the adjudication is to render judgment about the thing in dispute, not about the relationship. So if it's about a piece of land, a dispute between brothers over an inheritance, the jurisdiction of the court does not go to the question of reconciling the relationship between the brothers. It goes to the question of who owns the land because that's what's valuable to the culture of survival. That's what's valuable to the culture of an identity. That's what supports the economy that supports an identity that supports survival. That's why the system functions like it does. And not surprisingly, it is called an adversarial system because it takes people who used to be friends, who may even have been husband and wife, brothers, and when the process has worked its work, the result is that you are adversaries. No matter who gets the land or who gets the object in dispute, the end result is that the people involved and their relationships are permanently alienated. Hence, think about what the scriptures say about the end of the age. Brother will turn against brother and a man's enemies will be they of his own household because lawlessness will abound which is to say people what want, want what they want 
Lawlessness is not the absence of law, lawlessness is the personalization of the standard of adjudication. In other words, every man doing what's right in his own eyes. When you read the scriptures, especially when you read the scriptures referring to the conditions of the world in the end of the age, understand that behind that is a mindset and the formulation of a kingdom based on these systems I'm talking about, but governed by a mindset that is exploitive of these weaknesses within the human soul. This is the anatomy of what you're facing in the end of the age. It's not just a series of cobbled together statements that are going nowhere and you're sort of trying to dodge and weave as you race through it trying to get God knows where. No, 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 it's not that at all. It's the maturation of kingdoms, each bearing fruit in the lives of the subjects, because each kingdom has a king. And the point of any kingdom is to put on display the nature of a king, of its king, in the lives of the citizens of that kingdom. So who is the king of the kingdom of darkness? The one called the prince of darkness is the evil one, that ancient serpent, the devil or Satan, Hasatan, who was a deceiver from the beginning. He is the originator of these systems and they are intrinsically godless. There's nothing godly about an adversarial system for the adjudication of disputes. I will repeat, there's nothing inherently godly about an adversarial system for the adjudication of disputes. What then is by comparison the system of the kingdom? Well, it begins with the placement of value in the relationship. So the adjudication of disputes is designed to gain your brother. So Matthew 18 speaking of this says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault just between the two of you and if he repents, you have gained, gained, that's the language of value, you've gained your brother. And it takes you through all these particular steps, it expands the scope of what you do to include others only if the prior step of gaining your brother fails, but each succeeding step including handing him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord, including that it's all redemptive, none of it is punitive, although at times that we've heard it and seen it practiced, it's almost been without exception punitive, meant for exclusion, solely for the purpose of maintaining the appearance of the, of the institution. 
but where, where every step in the progression uh, of the discipline of a brother is designed to gain him. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven has as its fundamental mandate the reconciliation of God and man, of man to God. That's why every system of the cosmos bears the characteristics of the one who seeks to rob, steal, kill and destroy and carry the earmarks of a devourer. Whereas every system of the kingdom of God carries reconciliation that leads to righteousness, peace and joy. What might some of these other systems be? Financial systems, systems of trade and commerce, together as economic systems, systems of culture that primarily focus around ideologies perpetrated through a whole range of things such as entertainment and information, all of which are very pointed. In the kingdom of God, these, these realities uplift, enrich, ennoble. In the world, they degrade, they dehumanize, they, they, they humiliate, they reduce to nothing. So there are seven of these systems. This kingdom has seven heads. But some of these systems require more than one ruler because they're components to these systems. So for example, an economic system might contain um, a, uh, uh, somebody in the field of finance or philosophy that governs the field of finance, a philosophy that may govern the field of trade and a philosophy that might govern um, uh, international relations. So there's an amalgamation of these systems. One of the systems of the cosmos and apparently the governing system is a religious system. One of the seven systems is a religious system. It will articulate the culture of a new opposition to God. But indeed it's not new, it's just how everything matriculates to the end. It is within the context of these systems like the coils of a dragon or a serpent that the enemy hopes to entrap mankind and force them into the modalities of survival by which they'll abandon their faith in God if they had any or continue in their godless ways. Against this background of darkness, <coughs> the kingdom of God will arise as Zion, the perfection of beauty. So in this time, God is in an, in a, in an un, in a, in a, in a fashion that is non-negotiable. God is going to bring His people to maturity 
and their form of government, their order, the way they treat one another, the way they resolve disputes between themselves, will be held up as a city upon a hill, as light in the world. And among the nations of the earth, people who are looking for a way out of this terrifying uh, vice-like grip in which the kingdom of darkness holds men to loyalty, will begin to look to the kingdom of God as the clear and decisive alternative. No, we're not going to be raptured out because we're not going to be evacuated as a defeated army off some distant outpost to heaven. Whoever believes that believes a lie. No, the greatest glory of the, of the body of Christ is in the years just ahead of us. As everything God has prepared to put on display and every economy He's created to support it comes fully to bear and is aptly and appropriately administrated and handled by a governmental order that is based in fathers of families, of clans, of tribes who together form a holy nation under the direction of the Holy Spirit which puts on display in a nation, in the context of a nation, all that God ever intended to put on display in the earth before the Lord returns. That isn't happening yet. We're just at the point, we're just now at the point of the great falling away. The separation between those who do not belong in the kingdom, it was never their idea, it was, they were in it for what they could get. God is using these times right here at the front to discredit, to expose, to overthrow, to tear down and to destroy ministries and persons who are false. This is the judgment that begins at the house of God and this is what you're going to see come, come to pass while the world grapples to find a way forward and, and agrees to the loss of human freedom, the like of which it would never consider in normal times. As these systems consolidate their rule over humankind and form up in a way to be a competitive alternative to the kingdom of God. Whereas we live to put on display the glory of God and the kingdom of God exists to support us in doing so. For the enemy, the time of his eventual reckoning is drawing near and he is desperate. So his full nature will be put on display in those that he controls. His push, his arrogance, his pressure will cause people to finally realize, cause some people to finally realize how deeply they have been deceived. When they look up from that darkness, they will see the appearing of a glorious city upon a hill and they'll come to it. All these things will happen 
before the Lord is revealed from heaven with the shout of the archangel and the trumpet sound of God. So if you know the Lord, relax. God's got this. If you know the Lord, relax. This isn't catching God by surprise. He's just beginning to bring forth His glory in a people. Be part of that people. You're not in control, so don't try to go back to the things you used to be able, you think you used to be able to control. It's time to wake up to the reality that God is doing something of which you must be a part if you've named the name of the Lord. You must come into order. You must find the place of your accountability. You must find the relational accountability of a father. Be brought into a household because this is what God is doing. The institutions are being shuttered and it's God who is doing it because that was never what He planned. He intended families and in families He's going to develop rapidly because of the changing circumstances a mature people. That's where you ought belong. The times that are coming will be very intense, especially because no fence sitting will be allowed. You're either in the kingdom of God or you will have to find your place in the kingdom of darkness. The worst of all spectacles are people who don't know where they belong. Make make up your mind and decide. Come into the kingdom of God in its expression in terms of spiritual families and households. Find your father. This is the day when God is requiring everyone to enroll in the house of his father. In the father's house there is the economy of God for that's what God is supporting in the earth. And in the Father's house there is bread, more than to spare, no longer need to be prodigal. Now I'll continue these discussions to address specific things as I have talked about before, such as the rapture, the antichrist, the signs of the end of the age, and I will will pull out of these discussions the things relating to the fall of Jerusalem and we'll focus quite a bit on the book of Revelation and the things that John prophesied regarding our time. But I'm bringing these messages to bring clear direction, a clear trumpet sound. And in all that I'm saying, I want to express to you, nothing is new, it's just how it has reached a place of greater maturity, but the seeds of these things have been here since the beginning of mankind's occupation upon the earth. And they will continue to re- until they reach their fullness. The kingdom of darkness will reach its complete and grotesque uh, captivation of humankind as, it, as the attitudes of men and the attitudes of the demonic merge into a common stream and the kingdom of God will arise in all the glory that God intended 
it should be clothed with as it puts himself, the living God, on display among human beings in the earth in the form of a corporate man variously expressed as a kingdom. That's what's going on. Everything else is just a drama that is a stage on which this is being played out. Find your place. It will not do to be lost in these times. I'm Sam Solon and I'm making as clear and as distinctive a sound so that you are able to prepare for the battle, that you do not lose heart and you do not lose your way, that you do not walk in darkness and become captive to men in their deceitful schemings, speaking as if they were speaking for the Lord, when indeed they are part of the deception and that deceptive voice that has many sounds to it but one common philosophy. You are not of this world, you are not of the darkness. These events should not come upon you like a thief comes in the night to rob and steal, to kill and to destroy. God has put helmsmen in His house, He's put the apostolos to guide the ship through the storm. They can hear from heaven because they've been prepared for such times as these. They will steer the ship by the direction of the Holy Spirit and whoever is on board these ships will not be lost. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace that is surely able to build you up and to establish you so you shall not be moved, established you among the sanctified. May grace, mercy and peace be with you always. So be it.